trip comprised basically two teams. One was going to assist with the construction of the Don Lee Church building, and the other would accompany the missionaries in their work to see them in action as well as to encourage them. And tonight we're going to have a brief report about this mission trip and the work that we are supporting in Honduras. Now this was my first trip to Honduras, and before going to Honduras I had lots of questions. And if you've not been to Honduras, you probably have lots of questions as well. And I think it would be helpful to start with learning a little bit about the country and the culture and then begin to focus in on our mission work that we support. So in terms of geography, Honduras is located in Central America beneath Guatemala and just north of Nicaragua. How far is it away to that capital, Tegucigalpa, that national capital? Well, it's about the same distance as from San Antonio to Los Angeles, if you're to fly straight down to it. It's a flight time of about two and a half hours. The bottom line is this is a mission trip you could do in the future. Uh, this country is just a tiny bit larger than our state of Tennessee. It's 34 times the size of Bear County. The mission work we support is primarily situated in two towns that are fairly close to the Nicaraguan border, Don Lee and El Paraiso. You fly into Tegucigalpa, and then as you leave, you encounter this mountainous region. In general, this part of Honduras is a forested mountainous region, but there are some um, wide open expanses. So what is Honduras like? Well, when you first arrive in Tegucigalpa, you're greeted by some familiar brand names, like Church's Chicken. And I believe that's a Burger King with a pizza hut in the distance. Um, but you're also aware, immediately stepping out of the terminal, that this is a tropical country. The sun angle is direct, and it's hot, and it's humid. And our experience was at night there could be very heavy rains. Our first stop was at a shopping mall to get some food, and again, you could see familiar names like Walmart. But, and then the other Cinnabon and, and um, other Radio Shack, there's a number of different familiar brands that you'd be familiar, uh, number of names that you'd be familiar with. And as you move to even the smaller city of Don Lee, you can encounter the familiar such as Pizza Hut. However, numerous differences abound everywhere. And although there are familiar food options available, you can choose something a bit more exotic. Drinking water is sold in small blue bags. In contrast to the ways that we normally get around, uh, typically there people will ride in the back of a pickup. There's roadside markets. Many of the vehicles will have these uh, heavy tinting to prevent the sun from coming in onto that front seat. And so they've got just a slit that they look through in the middle. Neighborhood convenience stores can look quite different and occasionally maybe even have a different type of customer. From an American perspective, 
there seemed to be an obligatory, time-consuming meeting before any day's activities could begin. And that's part of the culture. Many activities don't begin exactly on time like we would like them to occur. And so that takes patience and understanding from an American. These are pictures of downtown Don Lee. Unlike the wide sidewalks that we're familiar with in downtown San Antonio, these are the types of sidewalks. These are the typical city streets downtown in Don Lee. Don Lee has a population, according to GeoNames, of about 45,000. If you ask the local residents how many live there, you're going to get a number around 100,000. And perhaps that includes some of the surrounding area. This is Bill's Sartain's favorite corner. I just had to, to show it. It's this blue wall, and you can see a little yellow, little yellow uh, round, it's like a cookie, um, just probably the size of a half dollar. This sidewalk at this corner is no more than a foot. And so as you come down walking the sidewalk, you turn the corner, the street comes within about a foot of the corner of the building. These are other typical scenes of downtown Don Lee and the cathedral and the Pross and the park. When you look at the neighborhoods, a lot of people will live in the back of a store. They may live above a store. But as you get out of the immediate downtown, the neighborhoods look more like this. Very simple buildings, very simple houses with sheet metal roofing or perhaps clay tiles. El Paraíso, the other city where we have a, the mission work is very similar and these are some of the scenes of downtown as well as typical neighborhood streets. El Paraíso is smaller than Don Lee. It's about half the size or a little bit less. According to GeoNames database it has about 19,000 people. The locals will tell you that it has about 40,000. Gilbert is now going to share with us something of the history of our mission work in that city. Okay, this is uh, David Dominguez and his family. Uh, starting from the left, that's his daughter Melissa and his wife Esther, Dottie down at the bottom, David, and then Eunice and Sylvia. Uh, David graduated from Baxter Institute in October of 1989 and he was sent as a graduate to the city of Don Lee in January of the following year, 1990. So he has been there working for over 22 years. Um, he graduated from Baxter, like I said, and that happens to be the same school where Manuel Soto graduated our missionary in Chile. When we first started our trips to Honduras in 1994, we did not go to Don Lee. We went to the capital city of Tegucigalpa we worked closely with uh, Baxter Institute and a congregation that's right next door to it, San Jose de la Vega. And we went to renovate classrooms, build houses for members, and we also worked in the clinic that is next to Baxter. But everything changed when Hurricane Mitch hit uh, Honduras and Central America. Uh, Hurricane Mitch hit in October 29th of uh, 1998. It sat over Honduras for five days and dumped, some say, approximately 75 inches of rain in those five days. 
it washed away streets, it washed away bridges, it washed away entire villages. Um, the numbers of people who died are hard to determine because some of them were, were out uh, in rural areas, but they estimate that 11,000 people were washed away, another 11,000 were missing, and 2.7 million were left homeless. It also washed away or ruined a lot of their uh, crops, the banana crops and the coffee crops that they depend on for uh, their income. As we became aware of the, the damage uh, going on there, uh, members here at MAC started approaching me and offering to help. And I started to receive unsolicited funds somewhere in the neighborhood of $50,000 over the next two years. Of that money, $20,000 was one uh, contribution that the individual who gave it to me asked that it be going for evangelism. And that's when we started to support uh, Dennis Moncada, um, Marjan Vasquez, and Rigoberto Molina. They had been working part-time for the church um, without pay, and when uh, we received the, these funds, um, David asked that we help to, these guys to be able to receive some money so they could work full-time for the church. Um, my memory is failing me, but somewhere around 1999 or 2000, David was able to get a visa and come to the United States. And while he was here at MAC, um, we met in the small kitchen and he gave a brief report of what was going on there and uh, you know, what we was, uh, he was doing with the funds that he was receiving. And uh, I still recall that when he gave uh, his report, Afterwards, our brother C.E. Wilson stood up and said, I think we need to support this. As a result of that, when the $20,000 ran out, Mac picked up that support and started to support uh, these three evangelists as well as the radio program. Another result of Hurricane Mitch was that in 2000, we started going to Don Lee, and our trips have been to Don Lee every year since. Um, this, so uh, you can get to know um, these, our, our evangelists that we support on a little bit better, is Marhan Vasquez and his wife, Selenia. The little one is Isai, and the older one is uh, Marhan Jr. And Marhan is the one who the church in Don Lee sent to El Paraiso 12 years ago to uh, spend most of his time there. He also helps a little bit in Don Lee, but he is responsible for the work in El Paraiso. This is Dennis Moncada and his wife, Jessica. The one at the bottom is Dennis Moises, and the other one is Jesua. Uh, I have a little trouble with that. Uh, but um, uh, Dennis, besides working with evangelism, is also responsible for working with the youth of the church. This is Rigoberto Molina and his wife, Melissa. The boy is Daniel, and the little girl is Victoria. And um, Rigoberto has recently been assigned to going to another neighboring uh, city, uh, Langostuda, and is trying to help that church. Um, trying to give you an idea of the congregation in Don Lee, here's a picture uh, from the front, and here's a picture from the back on Sunday afternoon when we had our uh, worship services. There's approximately 125 adults that are members, and a bunch of kids. 
The church in El Pariso rents a building, and um, it's very small uh, room. Well, it's two rooms. Uh, here you see half of the front room from that doorway that you see there. The only thing in front of that is the lectern and a table. That's uh, one side, and this is the other side of that room. So you can see it's kind of small. And then you can see there's a room behind that, and people will um, sit back there, and during the church service they will peek in uh, through the doors. Um, this is a scene from outside, and uh, two of those doors, uh, if I can point them out, this door and this door are the front and the back door for those two rooms, and people will stand outside to be able to look in during the worship service. That white truck is Marhan's truck, and you can see his, one of his duties is to transport people uh, to and from the church service. There is approximately uh, 40 adults that are members of the church in El Pariso, and again, a bunch of kids. And now back to Barry. Those that went down went down to serve, and they served in a variety of ways. On Saturday night, in spite of heavy rain, 18 couples of the Don Lee congregation showed up during the evening for a class that Daniel Ortega taught on marriage. And the couple sat around in a large group as he presented material, and there was interaction um, during that, that evening. This turns out, or this, this turnout points to the, the core family social units that will provide the stability and the future maturity for that Donnelly congregation as it continues to grow. Uh, Gilbert and Daniel also were often used to lead prayers and translate uh, different functions. Roger one evening taught a class, a home Bible study class in one of the homes, and um, on Sunday morning um, I preached at the Donnelly congregation with the help of Daniel translating. Uh, Roger's now going to give us some information about those that went down to help with the construction. Thank you, Barry. Um, one, one of the primary purposes of going down there, um, like we mentioned in our two objectives, is to encourage through construction and encourage and evaluate as they did. And so just giving a little um, brief summary of the construction, um, again, most of the work was done at the church this year. Um, in the past, there have been um, various activities that have gone on, um, whether it's building widows' houses, um, building um, or help repairing or restore houses um, for members of the church. And so this year, um, the primary function was working um, at the church building itself. And so as just a brief picture, um, looking from the street side um, up, towards the, up towards the church building, um, again, just given a location of where the church is from our hotel, um, we leave our hotel and it's three, it's three blocks over and seven blocks up. And it's a very simple walk, almost. Um, you get to the, the last two blocks and then you start going up the side of a, the hill or the mountain nearby. And so we, we like to call those two corners um, spots where we can stop and take, take a picture. <laughs> and so we call those scenic. So really, we're really catching our breath. And so we get up to the church and then the church sits on a hill. And so as you all see there, um, the part that's painted blue was the original construction. And as we mentioned, over the years it has been added to and it has grown. And they have, we have worked to support to meet those needs that are there. And so the bottom part is the main um, area of the church where they meet. Um, there's an addition on top now um, that they use as a classroom. And in the future they like to use as a library also. 
And so as you, as you see in these other pictures, um, it's a church building. And off to the side, once you go up the hill, you can descend um, another side hill on the same property. And there are classrooms on the side. And over the years, those classrooms have been added to. Those classrooms have been painted. Um, the area, or that area near the classrooms, um, it used to just be a, a really a walking hill up. And, and year after year, they have worked to secure that area to make it safe for people to walk, make it safe for the, the kids to, to get around over there, especially when it rains, because um, you're really out in the mud. And so you can see a lot of work that has, has been done there, and there's some more construction that we'll get into here in a bit. Um, also, you see some stairs, um, the stairs that are leading up to the upstairs area, the classroom um, that's been worked on before. Um, it is built. Um, Part of the construction of the church is, is, is cinder block, really all the construction there. And so they use the cinder blocks that they stack and they build, and then they'll put a layer of masonry on it, and then they'll, they'll follow it with another layer of masonry um, to make it nice and smooth so it can be painted and it can look nice and presentable. And then, of course, from the top, um, as you all saw a picture looking down into the city, um, there's a few pictures um, just looking down um, from the church building. Um, you can look down into the city or you can look a little more up the hill where they have a cross. Okay, so there were, there were four construction projects, um, four main things that we're focusing on. Um, finishing the masonry upstairs, um, which is completing the walls and trying to get those nice and smooth and clean. Um, building addition, additional restrooms and plumbing. Um, on that location, um, as I mentioned, I mean, there can be up to 100, 100 plus people, including lots of kids. Um, from what I believe, I think there was only one restroom off to the side. And so what they were doing is they were adding two additional um, restrooms and toilet areas. And a, and a urinal area for the boys. And so that, that construction was going on. Um, they were going to paint the, the metal stairs that, that lead up to the upstairs classroom, as well as the metal support beams um, that goes over the restroom that will be um, covered with some, um, some metal. And then the fourth thing was the electrical work. Um, the electrical work, that's a, an interesting concept um, in Honduras. Uh, when you start talking about code and you start talking about safety, um, Electrical can um, be quite interesting. <laughs> and so as we look into these projects, um, here's, a, here's a picture of um, Bill Sartain. Bill Sartain was our expert masonry um, that went up there. And, and, and to take one step back, if I may, um, one of the objectives um, for the construction project um, was to build relation, the relationship dynamics between um, those campaigners that went down there and the Hondurans um, that were working there at the church. And so there's a few pictures you see Bill Sartain and Marcus, and they were, they were the two that were responsible for getting those walls cleaned up. And, and Barry took his expertise and, and his help and his support and went down there to um, work on those walls. And you can um, see in the picture just the discoloration, um, just how they had to work their way around. Now, there are many obstacles when we start talking about working in Honduras. Um, there can be tools. <laughs> it can be weather. Um, or, or lack of tools um, that they have. And so uh, you see the ladder there, that's their scaffold. And there was only one <laughs> with many workers. And so we had to share that. And so you can see they, they worked as much as they could reach and they were going to go back later and try to complete a little higher, um, a little higher area. You can see the window seal, and it took a lot of craftsmanship, um, both from Bill and from Marcus and another individual, Juan Francisco. And you can just see um, a little before and after of them cleaning up the window seals. And so, um, and apart from the, the upstairs classroom, they were building the restrooms. And so again, it's just cinder block construction. 
And we have Dagoberto on the top left. Um, he is, uh, we've seen him just year after year. He's been one of the lead, um, or taking the lead in some of the construction projects here at the church. Um, you see Gabriel on the side. I mean, Gabriel, um, through all the years that Gabriel Pettis has been able to go down there, just the different skills he's been able to pick up and to work with them. And of course, with every construction project, um, there is always a moving of the dirt. And so, um, you know, digging out, digging out the ground for the plumbing or bringing um, gravel back up so they can mix some cement there on the floor. So here's another picture, just looking down from the roof, um, just looking down into the restroom. I mean, it's just a small area. I mean, they try to utilize the space that they have. Um, and then there's um, almost the finished work of the wall. Um, when we left there, we had, we had worked on the roof, and they just hadn't completed that just yet. Of course, the legendary moving of the dirt. Um, well, we, make, we make light of it because, again, they work with the tools that they have. And so we just had a few buckets to move um, dirt around, whether moving it up or moving it down, and one shovel. And so you can see um, just people in the background um, pitching in to help out. Uh, just some more work. And um, in the top right, you, we even had some of the neighborhood kids that just wanted to help out. And we'll, we'll get to them here in just a minute. And so um, accomplishing those two things, um, the masonry work upstairs, the restrooms, and they had the painting that was going on. And you see Gabriel and Joanna doing some painting there. Um, some more work on the stairs. Now, again, um, the construction styles down there are a little different. And so you know, we'll get some gasoline and try to knock some of the rust off or you know, mix some paint up, and they'll, they'll add some additives to make it stretch and to make it work. Um, but it's still accomplished the same task. It's trying to make that place um, nice and accompanying and welcoming, the same thing we try to do here at our congregation. So there's some more work, Joanna and Joy Velvey. I'm painting the stairs, and then the infamous electrical work. Okay, um, again, the electrical work. Part of going down there. Um, not only do we just go down there to share our expertise. I mean, some of the some of the benefits of us going down there is trying to think ahead and trying to take some tools because things just aren't readily available. And we went to the corner store and they don't have wire strippers nowhere. And so they just use knives and they just kind of shave off the you know the ends of the wires, um, or you know they don't have wire nuts and so they just twist two wires together and put electrical tape. Um, so. A couple of the objectives were to um, just troubleshoot and repair some electrical work, try to get some air flowing there in the auditorium that they have, and um, to make some of the air other areas safe around the, uh, the children's classes. So this is Joanna and Deborah taking a little break. Okay. And now part of, the, um, part of our um, effort down there um, that happened at the church building was not only the construction, but the kids that are around. And that always seems to be something that accompanies. And so you can see, Joanna, every time they, they gathered, kids followed. And um, we, we, we led into that um, just to show these neighborhood kids, some that are part of the congregation, um, some that aren't, um, just, just to show them um, the natural love and respect that we show any kid here. And so every day um, as we worked, um, it began with some exercises <laughs> that the kids brought to them. I mean, they did some gymnastics. They played some games. Um, it was, just, it was just time for them to interact, um, both Julia and Joelle, um, Deborah, Gabriel, Michael, uh, just to interact with the kids. And so you see Michael Bettis there playing some games with the kids that you know, he's learned um, out at his job site out in Beaumont. And so a apart from all the work, this year the, the construction work was a little lower than, a, a little less than we normally have. And so the benefit to that is that afforded us some, some time to go out and do some other things. Um, not, just main, not just stay there at the church, but to get to go see the families and get to go visit. And so here's, here's one night that we had an opportunity to go give a Bible study um, and encourage 
um, some of the members there. Uh, another day when we finished our work, um, we sent Michael and Gabriel to do some, some finish-up work at the church building. We got to go visit one of the neighborhoods. And w- one of the benefits of that for us is to not only go out and encourage the people that were out there, but just to, to see some of the dynamics and the challenges that they face. And as we entered some of these houses, and one of the first questions you have some people that weren't visiting very often is, is why haven't y'all been at church? Um, are there anything that's holding you back? Well, you know, transportation, trying to get there. As y'all saw on some previous slides, I mean, they'll, they'll fit as many people as they can in a truck or a bus and try to transport them. Um, some of the other things they ask is, you know, have you been reading your Bible? Well, not everybody has a Bible. And to us, that was, a, that was kind of a big eye-opener. I mean, because we, can, we can't even count the Bibles in our house or the apps on our phone or just going to a computer to re- read God's Word. And the availability that, that, ha- that we have here, um, not only having God's Word, but people to teach us God's Word. And so that was a big encouragement to be able to um, visit, the, visit the members there. And again, these are some of the neighborhood kids. Um, again, they don't have much, but here at the end of the week, um, as we concluded and joined together for our, our, our closeout there at the church, um, these kids went and put on their best dress, their finest thing to come and just hang out with us. So. And then here's one of the last pictures, um, just with us and the kids. And so how, so how do we measure the success of our construction and our efforts? Well, we look at the objectives. Um, did we encourage the, the Hondurans through construction? Um, did we build relationships? And I say, yes, we did. And we got to see the missionaries and get to know them a little better um, and just get to know um, little differences about them. I mean, just how simple and um, clear communicating um, Dennis is and how... Um, just casual um, Rigo is when he just goes around the city and just talks to people in, an, in, in just a very loving, easy way where the dedication and the hard work of David and Martin. And so when looking at those objectives, I say we accomplished our task there. And, you know, you guys have helped support that. We really appreciate um, just us going down there. And, and just because we were the faces down there, you guys helped um, support them um, month or day in and day out. And we thank you for that. Now we'll move it over to Barry as he moves on. We wanted to accompany the missionaries to see them in work, to see the work that was going on. And one of the ways that they're reaching out is with a radio program. The day that I accompanied Rigoberto uh, was a program that was focused on children. Each day of the week, one of the missionaries has this one-hour slot and they rotate around. And this particular day was Rigoberto's day. It began with his wife reading a children's version of the Exodus. And then they invited the people in Don Lee and the surrounding area, the kids, to call in and to answer simple questions about the Bible story. And it wasn't just a couple of minutes before the phone started ringing as they were making pleas for, come, you know, call in and we've got three questions. We'll ask you three questions. And the phone started lighting up and they were on the air and these kids were calling in, answering questions about the Exodus story. Even their son got in the act for a moment or two and he had a, a, a verse that he had memorized and a location and he was supposed to say this verse and say where it was found um, that dealt with the Exodus We also wanted to visit, to accompany them in visiting, as Roger has mentioned, and getting around to make those visits often was accomplished through the uh, use of a, 
a pickup and sitting in the back of that pickup. I was very impressed as we would drive around Don Lee how the people in Don Lee knew the evangelist sitting in the back of the truck. And he would wave at someone and call out their name. And they knew who he was and, and he knew who they were. And they'd have these these 15-second or 5-second conversations. And with some of them, he'd say, I see, I'll see you Sunday. So I was a member of the church. In other cases, he'd encourage them, I'm still looking for you. <laughs> but I was very impressed with, with how this community was aware of these evangelists and how they were trying to reach out, even as we were just driving around to go to a visit and trying to talk to the people that were walking along the roads. And of course, in Honduras, um, people are out in the streets and they're walking. Uh, American society, we tend to be in cars going from point A to point B, but, but there they're out walking the streets. This is a, a visit that we were headed toward. Um, Daniel was going to go with uh, Rigoberto to this house on the, on the right that is orange, and, and uh, Gilbert and myself, we were headed to the uh, White House on, on the, the left there. And this is the front of that house just before, and the little shop that was there just before they went in to make that visit. And this is what it looked like on the inside looking out toward the, the White House where we were at. The nature of these visits, as Roger has mentioned, had a variety of purposes. Some were to encourage members. Some were to address those that had backslidden and were not attending. Um, some were to talk to people who were not Christians and offer a Bible study. To, to follow up with a Bible study or encourage them to take that step to become a Christian. There were a variety of different visits that we witnessed. These are some of the people that were visited. I'd like to tell you about this particular visit. This was an evangelistic visit to Daniela. She's a 15-year-old girl. Now what you can't tell by looking at this photo is that uh, Dennis and it, uh, that, that Dennis is sitting about five feet inside the front door? This room is probably no bigger than 10, 12 feet by eight feet wide, or something of that nature. It's very, very small. It's got a, a bed here on on the the right hand side, and then they were sitting on 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 the left. And they would Dennis started by opening the scriptures and talking to her and encouraging her to take that step to rely upon Jesus, explaining why Jesus was so important and why she needed to take this step. But something else that's in this room, right in the foreground, is this playpen for, for a small child. This 15-year-old girl already had two children, a single mother. Her, her life has begun and going down a track and she needs hope and she needs all that our Lord can offer in fact that's the state of all of us but she was aware of it after Dennis had spoken with her then um, I've just went blank, margin, <laughs> margin, uh, traded seats, and, and he further encouraged her to respond to Jesus. 
Our brief time in Honduras did not provide us the opportunity to engage in a number of their different exciting ministries. One of those ministries is Dennis has an evangelistic program where he's mentoring the people of the congregation in Don Lee to go out and to make visits and, and to door knock and try to bring people to Christ. Also in about a month, the Baxter Institute in Tegucigalpa is sending their students for a week-long evangelistic campaign in Don Lee. What is the result of all of this ministry and this work in the cities of Don Lee and El Paraiso? Well, we were only there for a week, but we were able to see a harvest, a harvest which comes from missionaries sowing the seed. Following the marriage class on Saturday night, we all gathered around to witness Alexei Fonseca's confession and baptism into Christ. Sunday morning at El Paraiso, after the morning worship, we climbed into the bus, drove to the river, and literally went down the bank to the river where Alfredo and Ignora Sogado were baptized by margin. These two baptisms brought the number baptized in El Paraiso this year to four. Later that day at Don Lee, uh, Sunday afternoon, uh, Daniela Reese, that 15-year-old girl, responded to the Lord, and she was baptized into Christ. Uh, I was asked to do that baptism, and, and Daniel provided translation so that she could understand as well as those that were um, gathered around after the worship. Following her baptism, Carmen was also baptized into Christ. So far this year, in Don Lee, there have been eight baptisms. In El Paraiso and Don Lee, children, young people, and adults are being taught about the Lord. The kingdom is growing, and the Lord is being honored. Paul once wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The gospel, telling the story of what Jesus has done for us, how He has come to earth, how He has died, that we can be forgiven of our sins, and that He took our sins on Himself, that God's power raised Him up from the dead, that we need to respond to Him. It's not enough just to know that He died, but we must rely upon the One who died for us and was raised again. And so if we believe that He is the Son of God who died for us, and if we're willing to rely on Him by, by being buried in water and raised up, confessing that, yes, He is Lord, then we are forgiven, and God claims us as His children. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, the, the text that was read earlier, we have that scene in that throne room scene in heaven where there is this song that is being sung. And speaking of Christ, you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. The gospel is powerful. And that message needs to be sown. And the Great Commission is, is not just for Honduras. It's here for San Antonio too. And all of us need to be 
people who are taking that message, who are encouraging others, who are sharing Christ with our fellow human being, because that's the only hope they have for life. This evening, if someone has not yet given their life to the Lord, we invite you to come while we stand and sing. And it told thy love.